Thank you for downloading this podcast from Lafayette Community Church. We hope this message inspires you to know and live the life you were designed for because we exist to help people just like you discover life in Christ. So uh, as I was saying, like, um, the, the problem that was, uh, that was happening was this, uh, this student was trying to legally change his name, his normal, perfectly average name um, because of bullying that was going on in his peers. And so, um, again, all this, it's, it's just kind of easy for us to kind of be discouraged um, in what is going on in the world around us. Um, and I just lost my remote control here. Um, but it's easy for us to be discouraged in the world around us, um, whereas, uh, you know, in, in Luke, um, we, are, uh, we are given, um, in Luke, we are given um, a, a kind of clear picture of what we should be focusing on. And so I'm just going to tell you guys the message uh, right away, the kind of focus for this week, um, is that Jesus tells us in Luke that we should be keeping our focus on the kingdom of God. Um, so I'm going to try one more time. Okay, so now it seems to be working. So we'll see if, if it can work. But right now I want everyone to turn to um, Luke chapter 17, verse 20. You can turn to that in your Bible. Um, if you're following along on the website, it's also on the live event notes. Um, but Jesus is actually going to be going in telling us what the kingdom of God is and what it will look like. Um, and so uh, let's get going here. Uh, chapter 17, verse 20, if you'll follow on with me on the screen. Um, so once again, or once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, I want to pause there real quick, because what's worth noting is that at this time in history, the Israelites, the Jewish people, have been waiting for the Messiah to come in and restore their kingdom, like the kingdom of Israel. They've been waiting for about 700 years. And when Jesus comes, they're, like, they're thinking, he's the Messiah, he's going to come in, he's going to restore the kingdom of David. Um, and Jesus literally, turn, as he does a lot of times, he literally turns that around on their head. So one thing to keep in mind is when he talks about this, um, they a lot of times are, um, they are thinking about it being a physical kingdom. So I just lost my remote again, so I'm going to need you to go to the next screen then. Um, so then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go, and run, do not go running off after them. And then if you want to go to the next. For the Son of Man is in his day will be like the, be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the days of Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, buying and selling, planting and building... 
But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So real quick, he's kind of just telling us a couple things here. The first thing that Jesus is telling us is that with the kingdom of God, it is not going to be some hidden thing. It is going to be like lightning in the sky. It is going to be very sudden and very uh, noticeable. You will not be able to be like, oh, did it happen? Did it not happen? Um, It will be a very clear thing. He's also giving... Uh, two kind of stories of judgment. Noah, most of us are kind of at least familiar with Noah. Noah took um, him and his family and the animals into the ark. God destroyed the earth by water. Um, As far as Lot, people might be a little bit less familiar with that. With Lot, um, God literally destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone raining down from heaven. Um, While Lot's family was trying to leave, Lot's wife looked back and she disobeyed God by looking back and she was turned into a pillar of stone. So that's why um, uh, coming up here will say, do not be like Lot's wife. Um, So it will be just like the days the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other will be left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Um, So... Um, as far as when the kingdom of God arrives, what that's going to look like, um, I'm, I'm not really like, there, there are three main ways you can interpret um, the arrival of the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to talk about those three, but that's not the point of my, of my message here. Because the main point is that overall we should be ready um, for the kingdom of heaven. Now there, there are kind of three ways that you can look at um, how, this, how the kingdom of heaven is going to rise. There, there are three main uh, uh, viewpoints. Uh, the first is kind of the one that I grew up in, um, the church I grew up in back home. This is the Left Behind series. If, if any of you guys are familiar with that, that's the kind of um, viewpoint um, as far as you know, God is going to um, take up all the Christians, um, all the believers. Uh, there will be a period of judgment on the earth, um, and then Jesus will then return and establish the kingdom of heaven, um, or the kingdom of God. There is another view um, that says basically the same thing, except uh, the, the believers will simultaneously be uh, taken up when Jesus comes back and, the, uh, and uh, judges the earth. And then finally, there is another uh, viewpoint that's called amillennial, which basically says there will not be an event. The kingdom of God is more of a, um, a, a more of a, uh, it, it won't be something that will be established because it's already established. Um, and so they, send, they tend to see this more as a, a spiritual thing. Um, and so um, of those all three of those views, you could probably read that passage and get support for that. But like I said, that is not why, um, why you know, I read through that. The point is that regardless, um, we need to, by keeping our focus on the kingdom of heaven, we need to be ready and we need to be kind of um, waiting, not like kind of weighing around, but eagerly waiting for God's kingdom. 
Um, and so Jesus actually gives two examples. He gives, he gives a couple examples, but he gives two examples um, later on in the form of parables um, that kind of reflect this. So if we go next to Luke 18, verse 1, and uh, for some reason my, um, my thing is working here, so I'm going to see if I can get that working for now, and hopefully um, I won't have to read from the screen then. Um, so, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. First off, I love these parables, that they start off by telling you what the point of the parable is, because there are other parables where Jesus tells the parable, and then no one knows what it means, his disciples don't know what it means, and then, you know, Peter or someone else is like, hey, Jesus, what did that mean? And Jesus is like, oh, you idiot, you didn't know what it meant, and then he explains it to him. I like these because Luke just flat out tells you, hey, this is why Jesus told the parable. Um, I kind of wish they were all like this, but I, I didn't write it and they didn't ask me. So, um, so Jesus told a parable to show them uh, that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what the people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what the people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets, I will see that she gets justice and that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord then said, uh, listen to what the unjust judge says and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? So the point of this is not to necessarily pester God. Realize that this example of this judge is the worst. Like, this judge is the worst. Um, like, Jesus doesn't flat out say there was a Roman judge and a Jewish widow, but that's kind of the context that a lot of the people around him would think. You have this judge who doesn't fear God, the Romans who currently control the, the Jewish people at this time. Uh, the Romans, they, don't, they believe in a polytheism that really isn't even a religion. It's more like trying to not anger a giant elephant. Um, whereas uh, the Jewish people, they are like, you know, they are following a monotheistic religion, which is going against the norms of the time. Um, and so having a judge that doesn't fear God, doesn't care about his people, this is the lowest example. Um, it's kind of like if, if I were to compare it to teaching, um, I uh, you know, sometimes have to substitute, cover for other teachers' classrooms, and you see these, these wide ranges of, of lesson plans when you have to cover for classrooms. I've seen a whole bunch of them. I've seen the really detailed ones that have like five pages. They have notes on all the kids. Like, you know, if, if uh, little Timmy, uh, his nose starts bleeding, you hear the, here's where all the like gauze are that you just want to throw on his face to stop him from bleeding. Um, don't let Susie leave the room because she's going to wander around. Um, if uh, Bobby sits next to Tammy, they're going to start fighting, so make sure they don't do that. Um, and then you have the other end, which I, I kid you not, I went to a classroom about three weeks ago, and a teacher had uh, a seeing chart, which is good. Um, and then the plans were they watched a movie yesterday and uh, have them answer this worksheet or these response questions. And for a 55-minute period, uh, there were four questions that they had to answer. 
for an eighth grade classroom. So we proceed to go to my room and watch Shrek. Um, but all that to say um, that uh, there are um, you know, a wide range. And so he, Jesus is using this judge to show a terrible judge. Um, he is saying, you know, this is a terrible judge. And even this terrible judge um, answers this widow's plea because he doesn't want his, he doesn't want her to attack him, um, which I don't I, I don't know I just get this vision of like this this woman just like going up and just like hitting this judge or something like that like I'm not sure what he meant by attack him but um, you know the idea is that God is so much greater than that and um, even when his answers are no or wait. Um, you know, we must still be, and this is, this is kind of the next point here, we must still be persistent, and by persistent, I mean hopeful. Um, it, it's been, you know, kind of recently with me, I've been in this trend of being uh, more pessimistic with my prayers. Not, not necessarily uh, not giving them up in prayer, but just assuming God's answer is going to be no or not now. Um, and I've kind of personally lost a little bit of this hopefulness that we need to have um, as we pray. Like, as we are persistent with our prayers, um, also being hopeful and expecting. Um, I mean, I've had to, with the uh, you know, salvation of my father, I've had to wait 18 years for that prayer to be answered. And so all that time waiting, um, you know, the answer wasn't no, it was not now. Um, and so, um, you know, we need to make sure that uh, as we uh, prepare for the kingdom, we are also um, being persistent. Um, and then the next verse is going to be in Luke 18, 9 through 14. And so, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. See? I, I love these. Because, um, again, now I know what to expect. Uh, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, thank you that I am not like the other people, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to the heavens, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those, excuse me, all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, um, this final point here with the tax collector and the Pharisee, I, th I think a lot of us, because Jesus is always putting the Pharisees in their place, one thing that's worth remembering about the Pharisees is that they were not seen as hypocrites at the time. Um, we only see the Pharisees when they're being shown off as being hypocrites, but it's worth noting that most historians actually think the Pharisees, unlike the Sadducees, um, were actually kind of, they got along with the populace. Um, and so a lot of the Jewish people would not have seen a Pharisee and been like, oh, look at them. Like, usually that's not the case. Now, Jesus does point out the hypo hypocrisy of a lot of the Pharisees, but I guess the good way that um, I've compared Pharisees and tax collectors, because um, tax collectors, again, we don't really, we're just like, hey, someone who collects taxes, but 
When you hear a tax collector, this is literally someone who's betraying their people. Um, the Jewish people being occupied by the Romans and a tax collector, which how you made money as a tax collector is you would always take some off the top. Um, it's technically stealing, but that's a part of the job. Um, so you would always take some off the top. That's how you got your income. And then you would literally give it to Caesar, um, give it to the Romans. So literally they were seen as a, a traitor to their people. So the way I've kind of always thought about the Pharisees and the tax collectors um, is kind of like my youth group going up. So my youth group growing up, you had the uh, kids that went to, because I, I grew up in a youth group um, that was a part of a mega church, um, and so there was a school that went with that church as well. And so the kids that went to this, the Christian school, um, they were the ones that like they knew way more. Um, anytime there was like biblical trivia, um, they kind of like, they, since the school and the church were one thing, they knew all the nooks and crannies. Um, so like, you, you know, during youth group, they'd go down hallway and be like, can we go this way? And they're like, oh yeah, it's cool. Um, and so they were kind of the kids at the top. Then you had um, my sister and I, who were kind of like the public school kids. And then you had the other kids. Um, these were, you know, the, the druggies. Like, these were the kids that would smoke, sneak out and smoke behind the dumpster. Um, these were the kids that um, were having, uh, you know, premarital sex. These were the kids that were listening to the music that you shouldn't listen to. Um, and so those were kind of the three dynamics. And that's why I usually think of when I think of um, the Pharisee and tax collector. And the irony of it, um, at least from my own personal experience, is that that other group of kids, because I was in the predicament of I went to a school, you know, uh, that was 20 minutes away from my church. So even, you know, a lot of the kids there, um, you know, I didn't know any of them uh, when we first started going. And then even as we, you know, just a lot of the Christian school kids, they kind of got in their own little cliques. Um, usually that other group, that druggy group, um, they ended up, you know, in some ways, some of them ended up showing more of God's love than a lot of the other kids I interacted with in youth group. Um, and so that's how I usually think of this. But regardless, what Jesus is trying to say here is that we need to be justified not by our standards, but by God's standards. So the Pharisees are doing things that are good, um, like, that's not to say, like, the Pharisees were all garbage. Like, they are doing things that were good. Just like those kids in, in my um, youth group, they were doing good things, but they were allowing pride to seep in because as far as man, you know, by man's standard, standards, they were up here. When realistically, you have some kids that, um, in, if I'm bringing it back to my youth group, you had some of those kids that were, um, you know, they needed to be at that youth group, but they were not being accepted. Um, and likewise with the tax collectors, the tax, who else needs Jesus' message than the tax collectors, the people that are literally having to make their, their money by taking it from other Jews. Um, so what Jesus is trying to tell us is that we need to be justified by God's standards. And so um, as we kind of wrap up here, um, I want us to kind of, you know, think about that, that uh, place there at the bottom of the, of the note sheet. Um, I put it down, as we go through this week, um, you know, as we focus on the kingdom, I want all of us to think about ways that you can, this week, just, just one way you can uh, focus on God's kingdom. 
Um, I know for me, as I said before, I've been a little bit more pessimistic with my prayer. I have not been hopeful. And so this week, that is something that I'm going to do. When I pray, I'm actually going to bring things to God um, with hopefulness, with expectation that he, it is in his control. Um, not necessarily expecting that it's, it's, it's not worth bringing um, or it's kind of a too small to bring to him, but with the expectation that this is something I'm laying down before God um, and it is in his hands. Um, and so uh, what I want you to do is just you know, think about what is something, um, whether it be from this or, or you know, something else that you can uh, kind of give to God and focus on the kingdom. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you. God loves you. And his plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.